Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I tell people all the time, I just felt like I got to know Jesus in his world. I felt like I got to go home with him. I got to go to Bethlehem and Nazareth and Capernaum and all of those places and the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem. And it's sort of the, it's, it's the difference and I can read a book about you. I can even see a photo of you on the back of your book, but to sit down with you, I'm learning the essence of you. I'm hearing your voice. Um, I'm catching your spirit. I'm eating food that you like to eat. Um, I'm looking up at stars that you know about in sky because we share space. And so it was such a uh, an intimate learning of who Jesus is and what he's like. And now today's guest is hoping to take others on that same journey. We're joined today by Christy McClellan. She is a podcaster as well as professor, teacher, and biblical culturist. In 2007, after traveling to Israel and Egypt, she discovered that God is better than she ever knew, and she's been teaching the Bible through a Middle Eastern lens. Today on Connections, Christy will share with us how she uses her new podcast to transport people to the Holy Land as she strings 12 of her favorite biblical pearls together. We're joined today by Christy McClellan. She's an author, speaker, podcaster, and professor. You're a professor at Williamson College in Nashville, and you do a whole lot more. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, for the past 14 years, I've been taking teams on biblical study trips to Israel and Turkey and Greece and Italy. After studying in Egypt and Israel in 2007, the Lord just wrecked my frame, to be totally honest. Um, I've never recovered. I tell people all the time, I went to Israel and learned that the living God is better than I ever knew. And I thought he was awesome when I went. I'm actually going back to Israel in two weeks for the first time in two and a half years with a team. I usually take about five teams a year. I'm usually in the Holy Land about four months out of every year. So COVID has not been fun for me. I'm one of those people who felt it acutely um, in my daily rhythms and sort of in my life, but I am a visual experiential learner. And I feel like the call of God on my life is to be a bridge between the Western church and the lands and the culture of the Bible. What led you out there in the first place and what interested you? Um, Well, I was already teaching at Williamson College. I had three years of Dallas Seminary under my belt. I am a nerd. I mean, I am a nerdy (laughs) nerd. So (laughs) chances are you'll find me in a corner reading some dusty book from the rabbis of Israel in the first century AD. Um, But in 2007, the Lord opened up the door, uh, a study abroad opportunity for me to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel. And for me, being that visual experiential learner, getting to know the Bible in its incarnational space, um, getting to learn those stories anchored in the embodiment of what the biblical authors were talking about, what the biblical characters were doing. I tell people all the time, I just felt like I got to know Jesus in his world. I felt like I got to go home with him. I got to go to Bethlehem and Nazareth and Capernaum and all of those places and the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem and it's sort of the, it's, it's the difference. And I can read a book about you. I can even see a photo of you on the back of your book, but to sit down with you, I'm learning the essence of you. I'm hearing your voice. Um, I'm catching your spirit. I'm eating food that you like to eat. Um, I'm looking up at stars that you know about in sky because we share space. And so it was such a, uh, an intimate learning of who Jesus is and what he's like. Um, and Jesus is Jewish and he's of the Jewish people. And so for the last 14 years, I came home 
from that study trip, just really feeling like there was an invitation in it for me to become that bridge, um, to give to the Western church, the gift of what I had received being able to study there. So that's kind of what I've given my life to the last 14 years. So a few years ago, we launched, uh, it's a tributary of Williamson College. It's called New Lens Biblical Studies. Um, and it's just my way of being able to provide the Bible in its historical, cultural, linguistic, and geographic context to people outside of my city, um, more and more around the country and around the world. Um, Lifeway came along about four years ago, and um, we published Jesus and Women in the First Century and Now back in March of 2020. And my second study is getting ready to come out in May with them. I'm on the teaching team at my church here. It's called Church of the City. Um, so I love being able to serve my city, serve my country, and serve the world as a biblical bridge. Uh, I have a lot of questions, but first, you mentioned a while ago going to Turkey, and some people might be listening and be like, if you want to go to, why are you going to Turkey if you want to go to like the Holy Land or biblical places? So tell us quickly, why Turkey too, yeah, for those that great, are thinking that? Great question. So when we talk about the New Testament past the four gospels, <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we get into the church age, so many of those cities are in modern day Turkey. They're in modern day Italy. You think of a Rome, you think of a Corinth, you think of a Philippi, you think of an Ephesus. And so when you think of Turkey, think New Testament. Because a lot of the New Testament world, Paul spent a lot of time in Asia Minor and what we would currently call Turkey, Greece, Italy. So when we think of Jesus and the Jews, we obviously think of the Holy Land. When you think of Paul, Peter, and the New Testament church, think Asia Minor. Think yeah. Turkey, Greece, and Italy. Whatever people always say, oh, I can't wait. I want to go to Israel one day. And I'm like, I want to go to Turkey, actually. And they look at you kind of funny, but that's Turkey where I is want to gorgeous. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, Turkey is one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been. And the people there are beautiful as well. You have a new podcast out uh, called Pearls. Tell us, um, it's basically a biblical, biblical teaching podcast. Why Pearls for the name? Tell us about that. Uh. I love the name Pearl. So one of the things I learned while I was in Israel is that for the Jewish people, they really view every biblical story like a pearl. A pearl is beautiful. It's of great price. It's of great worth. But what's more beautiful is stringing the pearls together. And so for the Jewish people, that's very much how they process the scriptures. It's not just taking one story, lifting it up out of the Bible. It's reading every story in its active living connectivity and sense with all of the rest of the Bible. The Bible is one story. It's best understood from beginning to end. None mm -hmm. of us buys a novel and starts in the middle. We start at the beginning. And I love that we're learning something about who the living God is as our father. For those of us that love to read to our children, that the living God, when he gave us the Bible, he gave us a story, the best and the truest story ever told. Why is understanding historical cultural context important for understanding context when reading scripture? I would say that all language only matters in context. Um, it matters how cultures define terms. One of the things that's been incredibly just transformational for me in my own life and my own faith and my own understanding of the Bible is understanding how the biblical authors defined the words and terms that they're using in the Bible in their world. I often liken it to married people. Whenever you started dating that person that would become your spouse, there came that moment when you went home with them to go meet their family, to see their uh -huh. world of origin. <laughs> 
where yeah. they came from and you're sitting in their place of origin and you're like, oh my gosh, I understand you so much better now because I'm getting to know you at your root. I'm getting to know you at the beginning and the genesis and the origin and the essence of who you are, your people, where you grew up and how that's really shaped and formed you. And so when we're looking at the Bible, the Bible was written by Middle Easterners in a Middle Eastern context. So it adds greatly to our understanding of the story of the Bible to approach it on its own terms and to get to know it out of its own world. Yeah, you can lose things in translation from language to language, right? But then we have different cultures and not only different cultures, but different cultures that have been separated by thousands of years. That's right. That's right. Something I often tell my students is, there's a big word called hermeneutics, and it's just a word that talks about rules of, of applying and understanding the Bible. And so it kind of goes like this. When we gain a better understanding of what they meant, it helps us gain a, a better understanding of what it can mean for us today and the invitation that the Bible is giving all of us. I, I will say my favorite class in my undergrad at uh, Bible college was hermeneutics, actually. But I'll never forget, we had to do presentations, and one of the um, one of my fellow students, they did a presentation on um, Roman uh, victory parades. I'm blanking on the term now, of course, but, and all it opened up the symbolism of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, but on a donkey, right? And the people waving palm and all that contextual understanding, it just opens you up to understanding scripture in a whole new, and for me, a very exciting way. Absolutely. And now you understand the gospel of Mark, why he takes so much time because he's paralleling that Roman victory march into Rome with what we see happening. And so that's a great example of exactly what it is, you know, just to nerd out on you for a moment, because I love talking about this. Uh, We have a church father, we call him Saint Jerome. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jerome was not Jewish. But he immigrated to the land because he wanted to see the Bible in the very places where it happened. And he ended up giving 30 years of his life in Bethlehem, scribing the scriptures from Hebrew and Greek into Latin. And it became a version of the Bible that we call the Latin Vulgate. The church used it for a thousand years. Can you even imagine giving something to the church that she would use for a thousand years? And Jerome was writing to one of the other church fathers, and he talked about the importance of coming to the land, of understanding the Bible in its world. And he talked about that the land is the fifth gospel. There's four gospels that we read and one that we walk. And so being able to study the Bible in the Holy Land is being able to learn that fifth gospel to walk the land, to take it in, to experience things and places that Jesus would know, that Peter would know, that Paul would know, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would know, that Saul, David, and Solomon would know. And there's just an intimacy. There's an intimacy in language and and getting to know the Bible in its world. It gives it a whole new perspective, basically. Yeah. And and we call it a new perspective, but actually it's an ancient perspective. Yes. (laughs) Very true. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm a nerd. I've never been accused of being cool one day in my life. And so I don't really have anything new for you, but what I can do is I can take you back. And um, I really feel like that's part of my gift to the Western church. My hermeneutics professor is the biggest nerd you'd ever meet, but in my eyes, the coolest guy you'd ever meet too, because it's exciting. Like we keep saying, right? The scripture comes to life. And 
how can you not help but be excited when you experience the living, breathing God through his living, breathing word, right? That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I often say the gift of the nerds, the gift that we give the world is while you're all out living meaningful lives, we're reading <laughs> the Mishnah and the Talmud and different things so that you don't have to. We're going to go read it for you and then we're going to cite it for you and take you into that world. Um, but, you know, there's there's examples in the text that are really transformational when we understand them in the world. One of the things that I talk about in the Jesus and Women series that I published with Lifeway back in 2020 is you take the woman at the well in John chapter four, the Samaritan woman. And I don't know about you, but growing up here, I always heard that story that there's something wrong with her. She's a man eater. She's lascivious. She's had five husbands and now she's living with a guy and she's not even married. And when I take teams to Israel, we go to Jacob's well. It's in a modern city called Nablus and you can stand around it. They built a church over it to protect it. And sometimes people will see it and it's like, why did they build a church over it? And I'm like, well, they could have built a Walmart over it. So we're kind of glad they built a church. and preserved the site. But you can stand around Jacob's well. It's 180 feet deep and you can still draw water from it. There is never a time that I'm at Jacob's well that I don't take a drink out of it. And the team is always asking me, can we take a drink? And I say, well, there's parasites in the water. So depending (laughs) on your relationship with parasites, you can figure out if you want to like drink from it or not. But when we look at this story of Jesus interacting with that Samaritan woman to understand first century AD Jewish betrothal marriage and divorce laws. Divorce was the exclusive right of the male. Only men were divorcing their wives. And so that gives significant understanding. This is not a woman who has ran through five men. This is a woman who has been ran through five times married and left. So when Jesus says to her, go call your husband, and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, what you say is right. You've had five husbands and the man that you're now with, he is not naming her sin. He's naming her shame. Yeah. And her hurt and her her injustice she's experienced, right? In that moment and begins lifting her up. And so when we see that story, And when we hear that story, it is a complete reframing of that moment when you understand things like betrothal, marriage, and divorce laws in the first century world. And we know that she's not a serial adulteress because we already know what happens to an adulteress in that world. We have a story in John 8 with a woman Mm -hmm. caught in adultery. She would have been stoned. So the entire point of that story is not so much Jesus meeting with a lascivious woman at a well. He's meeting with a woman anchored in shame. And he comes to restore her honor and to send her forward in shalom. And she becomes the missionary to her entire village. And the scriptures don't say this. So this is what I like to call a Christism. I'm just talking because you're talking to a nerd. and, And this is what I think about all day, every day. But, you know, Jesus is a Galilean Jew, so he is traveling through Samaria down to Judea at least three times a year for the Jewish festivals and feasts, but probably more often. And I just wonder if after that encounter with that woman, if he stayed in her village with his disciples every time he traveled through and built a relationship with them, you have a Jewish rabbi hanging out with Samaritans in a Samaritan village to know who Jesus is and what he's like. He's the one who brings Shalom. 
And he's a shame killer. He's out killing shame and restoring honor. Now everyone under, listening is understand why hermeneutics is so excited. I can't, yes, I'm getting absolutely. excited again. <laughs> Tell us uh, about the podcast a little bit. Like when you say string and pearls together, like you said before, like we're talking about going from Genesis to Revelation, right? Uh, tell us what each episode is like kind of then. So season one has 12 episodes and for season one, what I've done, because it's a new podcast, I've never done that before. I'm in a world where I'm constantly having new adventures come to me and I'm trying to courage up and courage into them and do new things. But what I've done for season one is I've taken 12 of my favorite biblical pearls, 12 of my favorite biblical stories, 12 of my favorite biblical passages. And that's been our focus. And the beautiful thing about kind of learning the Bible through what I call a Middle Eastern lens, or that historical, cultural, contextual lens of of reading the story is you find that you add to your fabric as you go through it. As you listen to the episode, you're adding, you're gleaning, you're learning the biblical world, you're learning culture, and you'll be listening to episode eight. And some things that you learned in episode two and five will significantly enhance the way you understand episode eight and the pearl that we're talking about that day. And so I've been really excited because these are things that I've been teaching for the last 14 years with teams in Israel, in Turkey, in Greece, in Italy, things that I've been teaching in my city for the last 14 years. And so it felt like a really beautiful opportunity to provide this biblical feast of these 12 pearls and to sort of serve it to the world. It's like the Bible is like a table. It's food. And we pull our chairs up to the table and we experience it together and we're better for it. It's, it's kind of like biblical commentaries in a podcast from making scripture a lot more accessible to people. Absolutely. Uh, the Bible is meant to live on the bottom shelf. I believe that with all of my heart, the living God gave us a story that he wants us to know and understand. I have a children's story Bible and I read it because there's something just in the simplicity, the beauty, even in the textured complexity of the story. But the living God is showing us who he is and what he's like and what it's going to mean for us to walk with him. I just want to backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit. I'm just curious about something when it comes to your biblical studies trips. Um, when you've taken people out there, are they experiencing what you've experienced? Now, do they go out there and go, wow, this is the most amazing thing? Or, or mm. for them, is it a little bit different? What have you experienced over your time doing that? You know, Israel impacts everyone uniquely and differently because it's your soul and that an incarnational embodied space. But I would say the lion's share is this sense of, I always hear a few things oh, you know, going to Israel was on my bucket list. It was always something that I wanted to do, but now I have to get back. Being in Israel one time just isn't enough. Um, People often come home wanting to really strengthen their ability to read the Bible through its historical cultural lens. And so we recommend Bibles where all of the commentaries through a Middle Eastern lens just to try to continue to be a resource to people. But something that I tell people all the time is we value an eyewitness in court. 
in a court of law, we are looking for that eyewitness who saw it with their own eyes. And that is the embodiment of a pilgrim for every believer who has ever been to the land. I always say you will never be able to unsee what you're getting ready to see. And you will never be able to unknow what you're going to know after being there. So pilgrimage has a way of adding to who we are, not just our perspective on the Bible, but just who we are as followers of Jesus in the world. We become eyewitnesses to the story. And that in of itself is a gift to our churches, our families, our neighborhoods, our communities, and to the world. For those who want to learn more about you, about your podcast, and just everything else, how can they go about doing that? They can go to our website. It's newlensbiblicalstudies.com. We have online courses available. We have trip information available. I want to take the entire world to Israel. I know I'm not going to be able to do that before I die, but it is my, it is my stated goal. And Lord willing, as long as my body is healthy and as long as I can do it, I, it, it is the central passion of my life to take people to study the Bible in the very places where it happened had an idea, Colleen, we should go on a trip with her and we'll do a podcast every day from the Holy Land with her, okay? Yes. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> I, I, I keep, love that. I want to keep time with you because I have to preach twice in the next two weeks, so I want to get notes from you here. But we should let you go, but it's been so enjoyable talking with you. And of course, uh, I am downloading every episode of your podcast right away here and uh, going to consume that as much as I can. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, please send over any feedback. I'm constantly learning and growing. The Bible is living and active and so are we. We never simply read the Bible. We interact with it. So it. I'd love to interact with it a little bit with you. Thank you so much for making time for us. We truly appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us today and for listening. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the other conversations we've had here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.